There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Drive live. Talks legal. We've really got three main topics to delve into, and one of them is, in fact, two, to be honest with you, we didn't get time to get to last week. But just a reminder that if you have a question for Ali and you need a legal answer, a legal framework, a perspective, you can contact us, 4001, via the free app, 4310, to talk uh, directly to uh, the man. The recent cabinet decision regarding the Ministry of Labour process, deposit versus insurance, free of charge, residency visas uh, for six months, all all the changes that we've heard so much about since it was announced, what, last Wednesday. We're going to uh, talk about that. VAT applications during transitional periods. We're going to get into that. And also the new arbitration law, which uh, I believe officially came into being on Saturday. Is it, that right? It was uh, published uh, uh, last week, I think, but I didn't still receive the official copy. I have an official copy, but not like the official uh, Gazette, but it will come to force only within one month from its publication. Right, okay, so it's well worth talking about that as well. Um, a day of celebration for the legal and business communities at least. Now, uh, can we start today, Ali, with VAT applications during the transitional period? Status of contracts that uh, it doesn't provide for tax payment obligations during such a transitional period. So as uh, if you signed a contract back in 2017 that extends into 2018, what is the actual lie of the land? Where are we legally? That's what we mean. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So here there is two aspects to be covered. First, like whenever we have a transaction that part of it happened in 2017, part of it within 2018, whether it's subject to VAT or no, that's the first part. And the second part will be who will be bearing this VAT? Is it the supplier or the buyer so basically if we have a contract for example let's say over buying uh, uh, let's say you are buying a car Mm. you signed the contract in 2017 but you received the car in 2018 this transaction is subject to VAT in the event you receive in 2018 but you pay you receive in 2017 but you pay in 2018 this is not subject to VAT so the actual uh, position here is whenever you receive the good in your hands that's if it falls 2018 then VAT is applicable so, so Ali, we had lots of questions when this first came in, mm. um, and it was people who maybe are taking out a, a, a gym membership, yeah. for example. That's for the services. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or, or a car insurance policy, mm-hmm. and it might be that you've paid for your policy and it straddles 2017-2018, and lots of people are like, well, do I need to pay this, or have I paid my year's subscription or my year's um, policy fee? Uh, well, you know, I think a lot of people were confused about that too. Mm. Okay. So basically, in the event we have a service, let's say you bought a gym membership in 2017, in the middle of 2017, and mm. will run from that date for 12 months. Yeah. So now we have a situation where six months will fall in 2017 before the VAT and six months will fall after. So for that, you calculate the VAT for the oil contract and you pay half of it. Yeah. Because only six months will happen in 2018. So you have to pay VAT only for these six months, not for the entire contract. Yeah. Okay, so uh, one of the other things was insurance for cars, and I paid my insurance up what a few months before the end of the mm-hmm. year, uh, for example, and I just paid an insurance fee, and nobody then asked me to pay any additional fee in 2018. But I understand that some insurers didn't take that course. Exactly, because uh, some insurers may opt, for example, even to absorb it, because we've, we've, we heard about uh, some businesses who offer that they will absorb the VAT sure. on behalf of the client, mm-hmm. but in the event, let's say your insurance provider come and say, like, for this part, 
policy, we have four months, which is maybe one third of the policy that was on 2018, mm-hmm. and this is subject to VAT. They have the right to issue to you a VAT invoice for this period, and that's something that has to be paid to them. Okay, so there. So according to the law, mm-hmm. if your insurance, say you uh, uh, reinsured your car in mm-hmm. August. 2017. Mm-hmm. So you paid five months. So you could be invoiced for seven months of 2018. Yeah, because basically now you are enjoying the benefit of providing, the, of receiving the insurance service for a period during 2018, which is a taxable transaction. And for that, the consumer has to pay the VAT uh, to the supplier who will pass it later on to the authorities. Okay, so the original invoice would not have been a tax invoice as they are now. It's stipulated that you now have to produce a tax invoice that clearly states VAT mm. is applicable. Yeah, the one issued in 2017 doesn't have to. That yeah. doesn't have mm. to be that. Yeah. But if you re-invoice and yeah. effectively charge that 5% extra, mm-hmm. you have to then say this is a reissued invoice, it's exactly. a tax invoice, yep. it includes the extra 5% VAT, mm-hmm. and that's perfectly legal to do so. That's yeah, you have to follow all the instructions in the law about the tax invoice, like the name of the supplier, the TRN number, mm-hmm. the transaction, the date, all these details has to be there. Yeah. Okay, uh, questions for Ali Al-Assad from Yamala Rumpletka, 4001, or via uh, the free app, you can get in touch with Ali uh, with us today. So let's just recap that very quickly, VAT, a transitional VAT because we get questions about this mm. seems like we've had them certainly for the last five or six months people are still asking about VAT what applies and what doesn't but just in this case the transitional period if you mm. uh, em- uh, employed somebody took a service whatever it was however you would mm. phrase it in 2017 how mm. that applies in 2018 what are the salient points the most important so points? for whatever you are receiving 2018 being a service or a good you have to pay v- VAT is applicable which party has to pay it here? We have to go back to the terms of the contract. Whenever you sign the price, whenever you sign the contract, if the price, if the contract say this price exclude VAT, then the ben- the client or like the benefit, the beneficiary of the supply has to pay the VAT. In the event the contract it says the price is that includes VAT, then you as a member in this gym, for example, if we take the example of the gym, you don't have to pay it because the price you pay it, there is an assumption that the VAT was part of it. And at that time, it's the role of the supplier, which here is your membership, the gym owner or the company that owns the gym to pay the VAT. You don't have to pay any further payments. So that's very clear cut. But what if there is no mention of VAT at all? And that's the trick for it. So basically, we have a lot of contracts, and let's face it, a lot of the contracts that were signed, like sometime, uh, let's say, sometimes we see contracts over like five years, so four years ago, people didn't budget for the VAT, maybe. Yeah. So we have a lot of contracts that even now between our hands that shows that the price doesn't say include VAT or include taxes or exclude taxes, so just say there is a price. So basically, for the scenario, when there is nothing mentioned in the contract, it's the supplier who have the uh, liability to pay the VAT to the authorities, not the consumer, except the scenario where the consumer is a a registered entity with the FTA. So let's Mm. say uh, you are providing, you are an uh, insurance company, you are providing insurance services to a professional company, let's say um, uh, insurance that cover professional liabilities. Okay, so at that time, the contract is silent. So the default rule, you as an insurance supplier, you have to pay, you have to pay it. However, because of your client being a registered member with the FTA, then the client, your client is the one who has to pay the VAT. Okay, we've had a text in, mm. Ali, from CK. Hopefully you're mm. 
be able to answer this one. It says, what is the position on VAT if the contract for the purchase of goods or services is silent on VAT applying? So um, I guess if there's nothing in the contract... Mm. Can they still request the money? So if the, that's what we, we just answered now. So in the event the contract is silent, doesn't talk about VAT at all, the default situation is the supplier who has to pay the VAT. However, if the certain party of the contract who's buying the service from the supplier is registered with the FTA, which means it's a business that have a TRN number, yeah. then the one who received the service or received the route has to pay it, even if the contract is silent. So that wouldn't matter depending on when the contract was signed. It couldn't be that they could then go back and say, mm. look, obviously we didn't put it in the contract because mm. it was prior to VAT coming in. Mm. Obviously it is in effect now. Mm. We expect you to pay the money. Yeah, in the event the supplier will come with this argument, mm. the receiver of the service can come and say, I'm not registered and as per the FTA, I don't have to pay it and he have the legitimate ground to do it. Okay, Alex ha- asks a question. Do branch companies in a different free zone need a separate do need separate VAT? Basically, if we uh, if I answer the question, we have a mainland company with a free yeah. zone branch. Basically, under the VAT rules, there is a, a, a there is a permission to register like multiple entities as one group of VAT. Yeah. So if uh, you can provide to the authorities that all these entities, let's say there is two or three branches or even let's say separate companies, however, they operate under the same uh, control. It's not necessarily the same ownership, just the same control. You mm. can register them, all of them as one VAT group. You will have one TRN number and the transaction between these entities won't be taxable. So look, let's talk about this. What what do you make of what we've seen? We've seen, I think it's reasonable to say, sweeping new changes when it comes to uh, the Labour and visa regulations. One of the policies, something like 14 billion dirhams worth of bank guarantees. If you have a uh, an employee sponsored, you pay uh, a sponsorship yep. deposit for that. That's been released back in. It's replaced by a new insurance scheme. That's just one of the things we've heard, Ali. But just exactly. from your perspective, yeah. how did you welcome this news? So to be honest, I like, uh, these news are very in line with the general approach we see it like uh, for easing business like for facilitating the practice of business and yeah. also to uh, acquire more talent to be uh, inside the, the country because basically now we have uh, a lot of uh, relaxing uh, approaches either towards companies or towards uh, employees or professionals because as you mentioned the current situation that every company that's sponsoring any employee especially outside of uh, free zones you have to pay a deposit of 3,000 dirham towards every employee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this money will will be sitting, which is a money that you cannot use it. Also, the government who hold it cannot use it. So it's just like a more like a dead amount of money that will be locked until you cancel the visa of this employee. And for at the end of the day, like whenever there is any dispute between the employee and the employer, let's say the employer abstrained or run away, the employee will have the security of the 3,000 dirham only and mm. whatever the company assets have. If there is no assets, only the 3,000, which may not be enough to cover whatever liability is mm. due to the employee. Under the current scheme, now the company doesn't have to pay the 3,000 dirham. Now they have the right to opt for an insurance policy that costs 60 dirham per employee. So from 3,000, the company has to pay. Now they have to pay 60 only. Yeah. And later, in the event of dispute, let's say the, uh, the company closed or the company is insolvent or just like the owner abstrained or leave the country, this insurance policy is able to cover every employee up to 20,000 dirham. Okay, we understand that may not cover all the dues, but at least 20,000 dirham, it might be enough for the transition period until this employee will secure a new source of income. So it's uh, less expensive for the company, and however, mm-hmm. it gives you much more protection for the employee.
I mean, it's been welcomed, hasn't it, for obvious reasons. If you're a small company in a free zone, for example, and you pay a deposit of 3000 uh, per person, six or seven employees, that is money tied up. That could mm, be your exactly. license fee. Yeah. And, 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 and help you to operate, uh, even it can help you like uh, from, uh, to, it will first reduce the trust of the business, first of all, even if you don't spend it somewhere else, but you don't have to secure that much cash to start. Second of all, uh, if uh, you have the cash, you can divert it and use it and maybe in a more fruitful way for the business. Mm. More like a business development, maybe research, investment, or marketing, which may again and uh, later on provide bring more money to the company, more company money to the company, more t- money to the economy, which is will be in everybody's benefit. And Ali, do you think it gives employees a bit of a sense of security? Do you think that might be one of the things behind it, why it's been welcomed as well? Uh, actually, it's one of them, especially if we're talking about uh, low, uh, like people who receive like, low salaries, especially, yeah. like, for example, because, you know, Ministry of Labour, they have five ranks of uh, employment. Yeah. If we're talking about four or five, that will be uh, like it's a major uh, step for them because now instead of having security of 3,000, you have security of 20,000, which is around time six or time five. Yeah. Yeah, but if some we are talking about somebody who have the salary of hundred thousand dirham, yeah, twenty thousand won't be enough to cover. But this person won't be as much a need for the money at the moment of termination because basically these people will have savings on the side. Mm. See, there are a number of things here. I mean, that's just one side of it. So Mm -hmm. uh, breathing space for business, Mm -hmm. I think, is uh, in the headline there, at least. Mm -hmm. So 3,000 dirham deposits for workers now replaced by an insurance Mm -hmm. scheme. 60 dirhams, as you Mm -hmm. say. The Cabinet has also adopted a number of visa facilitations for visitors, for residents, for families. But also, and I think this was really interesting, for people overstaying uh, their visa. So uh, this is something that could could impact so many uh, Mm -hmm. of us. What do you make of that? So basically now if we take the, uh, the, the first point that uh, the new amendment that we are yet to see the official version of it, but the way how it uh, seems to be now, yeah. there is for like violators or for overstaying people looking for jobs, you can benefit from a six months residency visa, which is free of cost. Yeah. Because what we know so far, like for example, you have an employment, you get fired, your visa get cancelled, after that you have 29 days to leave the country. Mm. If within these 29 days you don't secure a new visa or a new sponsor, you have to exit. Yeah. Which means you have to cancel your own visa, your family visa. If your kids are in school, you have to take them out of the school, which might be like some kind of like a, a lot of work to be done in a, with a very short time and it's a lot of it is like expensive. It's not sure if you pay the school fees, you may not be able to get a refund or something yeah. similar. So now the way how it appears, uh, yet to be confirmed whenever we see the official document about it, that you may get, like an employee may get the six months. And usually if you have a six months residency, and we are talking about residency, not a visa, which means you can still have, uh, sponsor your uh, family members, you can still yeah. have a uh, subscription with the facilities, uh, with utilities provider like DIWA or something. You can have a rent contract in your name. Exactly, so, I mean, because those you, the important things. you are a resident. Yeah. So you have six months, and within six months, like we know, like basically, if a person is qualified, he should be able to find a new job, and from there he'll switch the new, to a new visa, and life go back to normal. This system doesn't exist now, and sometimes you see companies, they tell you, like, illegally that, yeah, we'll fire the employee, but we're not going to cancel their visa immediately mm. to give them more time to look for a job, which is an illegal practice. So yeah. now we have a legal framework to yeah, avoid any inconvenience that may result from the visa cancellation, but now it's within the law and something regulated by the government. So that's the main uh, change we can see for now. Also, another one that will apply to, not I can say apply with everybody, because as we know, for example, a father here can sponsor his wife, his daughter and his his male son, but this can be only for the son until the age of 18. Yes. After the age of 18, the girl can stay under the sponsorship of her father. However, the son cannot. Mm. And usually the way to stay legally in the country is that if you are enrolled in a university, a university will be for four years, you finish your university, you have to leave. 
Yeah. So for now, under the new regulation, it seems that for like outstanding students, students who can achieve that certain type of qualification at university, they will be given a grace period of two years to stay in the country legally with a residency until they find their jobs. Otherwise, if you finish your university, you have to leave and come back only whenever you find a job to sponsor you. It's, um, I mean, you can see lots of families seeing a sense of longevity there. You know, you might have a couple of kids and if your eldest is, you know, finishing university, it's more options for you as a family to stay in one place, essentially. Well, too. it removes that staring into the mm. abyss if you have 29 or 30 days. <laughs> That's, mm. I mean, that's intimidating, isn't it? If if things do go wrong, but if you have a six month period to face things, to find mm. new work, and you know that mm. you can, I mean, it's it, these are the small things, but they are the important things. You can keep mm. the rent contract in your name. You can keep your deal contract. You can keep your your TV contract yeah. going for. You the don't family. have to sell your furniture. You don't have to sell it, your car. And usually, exactly. you sell it for a cheap price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. I guess well. unfortunately, we do hear stories of some unscrupulous companies sort of hanging the threat of cancelling mm. a visa over employees. Mm. So this is this is a way that sort of removes some of that as well it does uh, periodically and just briefly we hear there are amnesties for people people do still come uh, enter the country illegally of course mm-hmm. that's uh, common practice wherever you are in the world but there is an mm-hmm. opportunity now for individuals who are here uh, illegally, mm-hmm. to, illegally to be able to then leave mm-hmm. the country i mean there will be a stamp in the passport mm-hmm. but you know it is a situation where yeah. okay hands mm-hmm. up I did do this, but the the government will say, right, time to go. Yeah, if you surrender yourself, like say, like admit yourself to the authorities that I violated, I overstayed, exactly. you will be allowed to leave without paying the fines, but provided you have to do it within a certain deadline. Yes. So people who need to benefit from that, they need to mm. hurry up and finish and do it as soon as possible. People should not uh, try to delay the matter because now you have an official window from the government that will uh, waive your fines, try to benefit from it now and don't wait for later on. Exactly. And that is the wording there uh, that makes sense, the official uh, window from mm. the government. Ali, we're going to move from the football to this text that's come in for you. We were talking about VAT a little earlier and there's a transitional period. Now this question um, actually goes back to um, in things like restaurants or maybe shops mm-hmm. when they display prices without stating whether VAT is included. So I don't know, for example, going into the supermarket and something costing 10 dirham and, and you go to the till and they say, oh, actually it's 10 dirham plus fat. Is that still um, something that they should be doing or... You know, this isn't silent on VAT, really. This is breaching the rules, I'm presuming. So basically, if we go back to what we discussed before, whenever there is something displayed and doesn't show the VAT, technically, legally speaking, the buyer can argue that you as a supplier, as long as you didn't mention the VAT in it, you mm-hmm. have to pay the VAT. That's something, but if we want to go as like as a legal debate. But in practice, and as per all the statements from FTA, and as per the applicable regulations, the price tag should include the VAT. It cannot say the price is X, and later, whenever you go to the cashier, you discover that there is five percent more. The price should include every. The price should include the VAT itself. The same way, have you see, for example, restaurants on the menu, there is always sentence at the bottom that says like ten uh, percent municipality, ten percent tourism, all included. So the price cannot be different on the menu. Rather than what you will have uh, on the bill at the end. It should be the same. Well, that's the other thing as well, isn't it? It's not 10% anymore. That's been uh, slashed as well, isn't it? To yes. 7%. Yeah, seven, Everything's yeah. changing. Mm. Ali, we're going to get to um, the UAE's new federal arbitration law in a second, but we've had another uh, text in for you. It's no name on this. It says, Hi, a friend's visit visa expires on the 1st of July. Should she leave or can the, new, can the visa be renewed without leaving the country under the new rule? So obviously this is a very recent change in the law. Mm. So it's, it's something that we're all getting our heads around. Mm. So in this person's position... Um, 
will the new law apply to them? Can they renew it without leaving the country or will they need to exit and then return? Mm -hmm. For the visit visa, I think even before the current law, there was a chance to renew it sometimes while you are in the country. Uh, But uh, because also the new law is still not enforced yet. But I think before you leave the country, we recommend that you approach the immigration uh, authorities and explain to them the situation. Because sometimes you can benefit from a grace period. Which will, which during which you can renew and without leaving the country. So before you take any step, just confirm with authorities uh, they can confirm from the system when was your access date and till when they can give you a grace period. And by the way, one about this question, it reminds me about something. If under the new law, if you have a visit visa, sorry, under the previous law, if you come to UAE under a visit visa, and while you are under the visit visa, let's say it's for three months, you are still within the three months, mm. you find a job, you can switch your visa from visit to employment without leaving the country. While if you are here under a tourist visa and you find a job, you cannot switch the visa. You have to leave and come back. And come back. Under the new system, they will play the same. You are under visit visa or tourist visa. If you find a job, you can switch your status from visit or tourist to employment without leaving the country. Okay, so is that an in-country switch? What's the terminology? Yeah, usually they will change of status. Okay, so it's just change of status. And I guess there's, there's a fee... Uh, yeah, basically there is a fee with it. I cannot put the number exactly, but it, before it used to apply only to visit visa. Now right. it applied yeah. to visit and to tourist. Okay, Ali Al-Assad is here from your mother in Plethka. Questions for Ali, usual number. Uh, here's Sophia. I left my job eight days ago. Still don't have the end of service calculation. What's the situation with that? When should you have received that notification mm-hmm. of gratuity? Like basically, like if we are talking about a simple employment situation, like let's say somebody who have received just a fixed salary without any commission or bonuses, like in good faith, the company can give it within one day or two days, especially if they are the one who made the decision to terminate, they should be ready. If you resigned given that there was a couple of days off for eight, like eight days still made sense. I cannot say there is a bad face from the company so far. But mm. if it's dread more than that, then that's the time where you have to just buzz them like... Well, I you suppose so, but I mean, if, if you consider the some mm. companies, I, I guess there are some companies that are mm. still off today mm-hmm. uh, for Eid as well. Lots of people mm. generally just had mm. uh, Sunday yesterday, but mm. that's possibly a five-day span there. Yeah, so. That's what I'm saying. There is no bad yeah. face so far, but if it goes, for example, for like one week more, then no, that's alarming. Okay, and what can you do in that situation? Basically, what should you do? Basically, f- first of all, speak to your company. Tell them, like, if they tell you that we need one day or two days, yes, you can, like, if you want, you can wait for them. And uh, that uh, the calculations, in the event you feel that there is some kind of an abuse, they just keep giving you, like, just, like, empty promises. Yeah, give us one day, give us two days, give us three days. That's the time to approach the Ministry of Labour. Okay. In uh, Just in defence of the company in this context, so we've had a long weekend, we've had the eat break, mm. so yeah. that, you know, there could be some reasonable delays in eight days. You know, you yeah, can it see that. It makes sense. Eight you? days so yeah. far. Is made, made sense, yeah. Okay. okay. Sophia, there you go. Let's move on then, Ali. We're going to look at the UAE's new federal arbitration law. Now, I know some of this can be a bit technical, mm-hmm. but I guess this is something that's been welcomed. People are quite mm-hmm. excited. Um, but just, just give us a run through of what mm-hmm. we sort of need to know. So basically, the main uh, change we saw so far and the, the like the most... Uh, um, it might like if you look to the entire law, it might be a small part article of it. However, in yeah. practice, it have like major uh, convenience or support to arbitration. Because what used to happen sometimes, you go to arbitration, the party you are suing at the arbitration will come and say the arbitration clause is invalid, and therefore this matter should not proceed. Before what used to happen, the arbitration used to proceed, finish, it take one year, one year and a half, mm. you're done. You go to court to enforce it. They raise the same argument there at that time, right. and if at that time the court reviewed the matter and they see that the arbitration clause you started with is defective, all the work and all the effort and all the money that was spent for arbitration, it will be cancelled. So it will be a waste of time. So what's going to happen now under the new uh, law, whenever, let's say, you file a case against me uh, using an arbitration clause, 
if I challenge and I say that this arbitration should not proceed and the arbitrators say, no, it should proceed, at that time I have the right to suspend all the process, go to court before spending the one year and a half. I tell the court, please review this provision and let me know, is it correct what the arbitrator is saying or no? If at that time the court will say, arbitrator shall proceed, then arbitrator will shall proceed after six months or one year he will be done. I go to court to enforce this arbitration award. The other party cannot come and say it's invalid anymore because yeah. the court already examined this uh, provision. So this provision that used to cause the problem under the current system, we wait one year before we can know the court decision about it. Under the new system, under the new law, we can know at the beginning, maybe within like one month from starting the arbitration process, whether there will be a problem with this provision or no. This will save a lot of money, a lot of hassle, and will give more credibility to the arbitration awards. And Ali, say for example, it, it was you and I in a business deal. I maybe, we were going to build some homes together, mm-hmm. basically, and you gave me a couple of million, I had a couple of million, and suddenly you stopped participating you mm-hmm. sort of decided you didn't want to do this anymore i tried to take this case and um is you know is there a chance previously prior to this new law that you could have just gone off somewhere with the money if you were holding both of our money and there was a real risk that my, i might have lost everything by the time this process came to an mm-hmm. end uh, that's one of the points because before whenever you have arbitration like usually let's state the scenario you go to court sometimes you go to court with a valid case yeah. but until like, the final judgment is decided because sometimes the case might be complicated you may have the final judgment within like two years from filing during all that time the party you are filing against can, can sometimes in practice take his money or make a runner How, uh, the, because of that the court have a system of having like interim decision to seize or to freeze certain assets okay. let's say I'm filing a case against you for two million dollars and the court see that I have like enough uh, uh, decent grounds to for me to have like a positive judgment. If I file an application to freeze your account, the judge may uh, may uh, approve it. So your account will be frozen. You cannot run away with the money. But also yeah. I don't. But at least stay here. Before at the stage of arbitration, this was not possible because the arbitrator had no right to issue interim decision. Yeah. So the arbitrator has to finish until he finished all his job, and after that you go to court, which might be a bit too late. Yeah. Under the new law, now the arbitrator have the right to request from the court to issue these short decisions or interim decisions on his behalf. So now, yes, to give way better protection against somebody who's trying to hide his assets or to make a run with his assets. Yeah. Okay, so essentially more responsibility for the arbitration panel, the arbitrators, mm-hmm. and the courts work in, I suppose, fair to say, a more supportive Yeah, Wrong. because before they used to wait, like, arbitrator, after they finish court, will come in. Now, at certain place, they will uh, be running at the same time. So it's not the court will finish, wait arbitrator to finish everything data they start. No, they can work simultaneously. So Drive Live Talks Legal continues. Sophia texted in and said, look, I left my job eight days ago. I still don't have the end of service calculation. Is that legal? And we kind of made the point that it may take a little bit of time to get together. Mm-hmm. It's mm. been need. It was Ramadan. You can understand. And I think it's reasonable. And I think mm-hmm. we all agreed. Uh, it's probably reasonable to make mm-hmm. an allowance for that. However, Robert then texted in and said, surely if you'd worked a month's mm-hmm. notice, a month to calculate would be reasonable to accept as well. So I get that, that there is that point. Actually, one months is way too long yeah exactly yeah. so uh, somebody's maybe not been as upfront mm. as they may have been yeah, sometimes that like, in very few exceptional situations let's say there is a company that have like three contracts with the same employee where he received that like, fridge from different companies there is average of commission to be included but this is these are like out of like one percent of the cases where you need really that time to calculate other than that there is something weird
Okay, so Sophia, mm-hmm. that's uh, t- kind of taken under advisement, mm-hmm. uh, I suppose. Yes, just um, Pete just sort of mentions this. Um, he recently, um, this is in the past fortnight, um, changed a tourist visa status to an employment one without leaving the country. So I guess you know, it's worth looking into that, obviously. If you are in that position, it's worth checking with immigration. Um, but Shannon's texting, Ali, hopefully you'll be able to Give Shannon a bit of an answer. If an employee leaves the country and decides not to come back, can their visa be cancelled without their physical passport visa being voided with them out of the country? So, I don't know, suddenly you decide you don't want to be a lawyer anymore, Mm. off you pop to go and be, I don't know, go to Panama to to live the dream there, Ali, I don't know. And you you took off. Mm and you had your passport with mm-hmm. you, can your company still cancel that visa? Basically, uh, we faced these situations before and uh, there was two uh, two options. Either we ship the passport from abroad to stamp it as cancelled or you have to wait the six months because if somebody stay outside of the country for more than six months, the visa itself will be cancelled automatically in the system. So in this situation, the visa will be cancelled. However, this holder of this visa cannot come back under a new visa until he clear this that visa from the system. Okay. okay, so if, if a visa is automatically cancelled mm. after six months, you're out mm. for uh, five months and 30 mm. days uh, or whatever, you still have to clear that visa. Yeah, yeah because we've mm. seen people like, who had these employment visas and they left. After six months, it was cancelled automatically. Mm. Later, they apply for visit visa, get rejected because you cannot have a visa while you have a residency. Because the system still shows your name. Okay. Despite it's invalid, but still there. So you have to send somebody to clear it from you, and from there you apply for the new visa to come back. So when you say you have to send somebody to clear it, what, mm. what's the procedure for doing that? Uh, basically, you have to contact your previous employer, because mainly it's their PRO who can do it, because it's still their visa. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. it, and it may be something mm. like, I don't know, you had a, a, an illness in the family. Mm. There could mm. be legitimate reasons mm. for that, uh, of course. Yeah, uh, in the event, like, uh, let's say somebody traveled, he was planning to travel like for five months. He traveled to a country where there's maybe like a war, or maybe there's like a natural court, disaster or uh, something. Okay. There is something called revalidation. So if you have a valid reason to stay abroad for more than six months and your visa get automatically cancelled for that, if you come back to a report to the authorities with the valid reason, they have the right to reactivate it and you can come back under the same residency. Okay. Um, Sophia's t- been talking to us um, and she's texted back initially. Her, her initial question was that she'd left a job eight days ago, still didn't have the end of service calculation. She was wondering if it was legal, it's something we explored. And um, she just texts back now to say she actually did give two months' notice. So the company has essentially had two two months and a week, really, to sort this out, haven't they, Ali? I, I believe there is something wrong in this matter. And in the event you don't hear from them short, soon, like within one or two days after you remind them about this matter, you need to approach the authorities because two months to calculate the end of service due, that's something absurd. It's not doesn't make sense. Okay. okay. All right then. Ali Al-Assad is from Yamalava and Plethka. We've kept you a little bit longer than we normally would, Ali, but always good to see you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming in. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.